Welcome to Grace on the Go. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go. This episode is a sermon from Sunday, June 7th, 2020 called What It Means to Be the Family of God, the Body, given by Pastor Jonathan Dinger. The scripture passage highlighted for today's sermon comes from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. God's grace and his mercy and his peace are yours and our Savior Jesus Christ, God the Father, and in the powerful Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, there's a sermon outline. If you took a bulletin, of course we'll project it up here. You know, I, nothing, nothing gets me jazzed like baptisms, especially when we had two like this today. This is just so cool because in so many ways it's a family affair, uh, not just for your family, our family but then also for Will as a young man who's next week going to then publicly confess his faith. I mean, that, what a powerful testimony all that is. And you know, you know I love to tell stories and, and, and tell jokes and be lighthearted and so forth. This is an interesting day. I mean, it's hard for me not to because I've just got this smile on my face from what we just got to do. Um, but we are, in fact, aren't we, in a season as a nation in a place in which jokes seem odd. Doesn't it? Jokes seem a little tone deaf. Um, And it's for a whole variety of things. Whether you have family or friends or relatives, perhaps in a very hard-hit part of this country uh, from the coronavirus, it may be odd to make light. Um, If you um, have connections, especially into minority communities and others who are struggling and witness the events that you see that are happening in the evenings, it is not a moment to... uh, to make light. It's easy to dismiss or cast off. Just in the same way, right? We've been saying here in this church week after week, if you've been watching us online, you know that too. We want people to be safe. We want people to know that if you wear a mask, no one will mock you. Or if you don't wear a mask, anyone will shame you. We want to be gracious with one another. Is, are you with me? Can you Lutherans give me some amen on that one? Right? We want to be... We want to be gracious with one another. And so the things that, are, that we're addressing and seeing, that we're witnessing, that we're hearing through media and so forth, um, the church cannot be silent. Um, the church sometimes errs in thinking that it's, its primary purpose is to fix all social ills to the expense of Christ. And at other times thinks that the only thing that matters is your eternal salvation and how you live in this world doesn't matter and that's an offense to he who is the author of life and who made each one of us in his image. So I'm treading on challenging territory today, am I not? And I need your prayers for that. And you might even want to go watch the first service because you're going to get a little different sermon in the second one. Um, They're different, a little different. But hopefully we're going to speak to it um, properly. And I believe that Holy Trinity Sunday actually gives us a way, gives us a way. The epistle reading that we just had is what we're going to focus in on. You know, it's interesting. Do you see my little line there? Oh, wait, you got to go back. Is there one after that or before that? Yeah, there we go. Here's my introduction. The Holy Trinity explained. What do you think? I got it. Are you ready? I'm going to explain it to you. Yeah, it's a joke, isn't it? It's just a joke. Um, In fact, let me read you a quote from from Luther. This is a good one on the Trinity. 
Um, Luther says, to try to deny the Trinity endangers your salvation. Uh, very quickly, you know why that is? Because the real danger was that people wanted to deny the divinity of Christ. That was the big controversy. But if Christ is not truly divine, then he himself needs a savior. You see, it just doesn't work. If, if Christ is not truly God, then you're still on the hook for your sins. Okay, that's the problem. But on the other hand, Luther says, but to try to comprehend the Trinity endangers your sanity. So he's right. It's a fair statement. And so, you know, when I say the Trinity explained, oh, I got this. Let me tell you, I got it. When I was a little boy, my mom had a book, explained it, complete, explained it completely. The Trinity is like an apple. And so there's an apple. It's a book. Many of, many of you may have had it, too. And so there's the skin on the outside, and there's the flesh on the inside, and then there's a the core in the middle. It's there you go, Trinity, no problem. Or how about this one? How about the egg? You got the egg. You got a shell. You got the white. You got the yolk. Problem. Got it. Three in one. No problem. Or how about St. Patrick? He had a shamrock. That explains it, all right? Or Tertullian, very famous ancient patristics uh, theologian. He's one of the first ones, second century. He talks about infant baptism. That's why we baptize at any age. It's grace. It's all, it's all grace. So Tertullian says, oh, the Trinity is easy. The Father is the root. Jesus is the, you know, the sprout that comes out. And the Holy Spirit is the beauty and the aroma and the flourishing of the blossoms of the tree. Got it? Are you good? Well, if that doesn't work, how about this one? I've used this one in confirmation. Um, I'm a pastor. I'm a husband. I'm a father. And I have actually used my son in this example. What if David came running in, big gash on his head. He's bleeding profusely. He says, Mom just got an accident in the, in the parking lot, and I'm in the middle of a sermon. And in that moment, right, I am your pastor. I am his father. I am her husband. Problem is, I'm not able to function in all those capacities at once. It's inadequate. Or my favorite one, which is water. H2O. Same Chemical combination, right? Two hydrogen atoms and an oxygen atom. They just move in at different rates to get vapor, liquid, solid, right? Just depends on how fast those molecules are moving. Problem is, that's a heresy we call modalism. Or it's like a sheet of plywood, all glued together, right? There you go, explained it to you. Problem is, all of those are inadequate, and I say to you, thank God. Thank God that we cannot explain the Holy Trinity. Now, here's, a, here's, my, here's my connection. I can fix all this stuff with the riots in, in the, at night. I got it. I got it for you. I got it all fixed. You believe me? I don't. I don't. Way too many pundits on TV who seem to think so, though. There's too many conversations I hear where people have concluded, this is just easy. Just lock them all up. Or dismantle all the police departments. Or you just need to fund it more. Or take away all the funding. Whatever. I hear pundit after pundit who says, I got this. The reason I love that I cannot explain to you the Holy Trinity is that it requires me. I'm not good at this. To just bend my knee. Are you all good at that? 
I'm not very good at it. Sometimes I'm better than others. It causes me to just submit. I don't like that. I want God to explain it to me. I want God to make it make sense. I want there to be a formula I can count on. I want there to be something I can balance in my checkbook. And God doesn't do it. Thank God. Because it forces me to simply stand before him in awe and wonder and say this, which is one of the things that is not being said today, I cannot, but you can. I believe what the church needs to speak into this moment is that we are saying we have lost our love for one another. We do not walk very humbly. We believe we have the answer. And the answer rarely involves a correction to ourselves. So I'm not making any political statements here because the thing that I want you to hear from Pastor Von Bush and from me and from this church is that we believe our constant call is to call you to Christ. Our constant invitation is for you to look at Christ. And in awe and wonder, bow before the Holy Trinity and say, you alone, O Lord, are worthy. You alone, O Lord, know. You far surpass us. And so, Lord, we seek your wisdom and counsel. I'm longing to hear that in our national conversation. We have seemed to be singularly unable to come up with the solutions on our own and in our own strength and ability and intelligence. Someday, our prayer in the church is that we would submit to God's leadership and that we would allow God to lead us in humility and not in arrogance. I think this passage on the body, Paul is speaking to a church that's in disarray. This is a church that's struggling with humility. This is a church that has division, deep divisions. Paul talks about it. He says, he's very sarcastic with them. He says, obviously, some of you, some of you say, I follow Peter. Some of you say, I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. I follow Christ. Paul says, well, obviously, you have to do that to prove who's better than the other guy. I mean, you can just read it underneath the lines. You guys are idiots. What do you think you're doing? So if I had to do this, so when he gets to this passage in chapter 12, and forgive me, there's the verse here, right? Body's a unit that was made of many parts. All the parts are many. They form one body, which is Christ. Go to point one, if you would, for me. Because here's the thing. For we were all baptized into one spirit and one body, and we were all, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, were given one spirit to drink, right? Given the one spirit. But later in the chapter... The eye cannot say to the hand, verse 21, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Right? When he says weaker, like a liver. You need it. Can you see it? You know about it? Right? It's hiding. Indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable treated with special modesty. Let me show you this. Let me illustrate this. So I have my uh, tape measure. I got about 12 of these. Some of them is because I lose them. Other ones are I keep certain tape measures with certain tasks, like to do tile. 
because I need the same, I need the same tape measure to do the same measurements. Those of you that do a fair amount of this work know that virtually no two tape measures measure exactly the same. If you use them at all, they get gunk and they get bent and you drive your car over them and the rivets move and eventually they'll be off by an eighth of an inch or something. And when you're doing tile work or finish work or you're framing a doorway or something and you need to be level, you need to be straight and you want it to be right the first time, you better know how to use a tape measure. I am telling you, this is a weird thing. You may think that to learn how to use a tape measure is no big deal. It's a big deal. Because when I go down to Mexico and build houses, I'll usually do this because down there I'm trying to teach kids. And I'll say, go cut me four pieces of wood at 14 and 5 eighths. And the first five pieces are not 14 and 5 eighths. And if you're cutting rafters, they ought to be right. If you're framing a window, it might be nice if it was level. You know, so the thing is, um, you know, the thing is about that is, so a measuring tape is an interesting thing. Because on the one hand, it can be very precise. But what, you know what a measuring tape does? It tells you when you're right and when you're wrong. Especially if you actually know how to do it. You know what Paul is saying? He's saying in the body, we don't use measuring tapes. But the problem is we're measuring, we seem to be comparing all the time. One person is more valuable than another. I mean, Ryan did a good job mentioning that. Like in the church, the pastor's more important than others. Please hear this. Please keep this forever in the archive. That is a lie. I am just one of you who you and Jim, too, who you have asked to serve on your behalf. We're not greater, better. Nobody's greater, nor worse. It's just the body. Every part, together. Every part, functioning together. And so you know what Jesus does? I love this. Jesus takes the measuring tape, throws it out. No measuring. It's a critical tool if all you're about is the law. Because in the law, we're going to measure that baby and we're going to show you where I'm right and you're wrong. And that's what we have going on in our world today. I'm going to measure this. I'm going to measure it through history. I'm going to measure it through character. I'm going to measure it through income. I'm going to measure it through, pick your thing. And Jesus Christ is uninterested in measuring. He's interested in building bodies in which one part of the body is not of greater value than another. You have the head who is Christ, and all the parts are attached to Christ and are given greater value. Look at this. Measuring leads to sin and error. If you're taking notes, measuring leads to sin or error. It points out flaws. It points out where we fall short or where we're too long. Instead, what is God trying to teach us? That we are less when we are divided and we are more when we are together. Whenever I do a new member class, we get to the point where we talk about membership. And people always ask me, why should I be a member? Because we're in an era where nobody joins anything. I'm not joining that. I get it. Okay, I get it. You know, it's commitment. We're averse to commitment or whatever. Here's the deal. The reason, and I tell people all the time, there is no Lutheran section of heaven. Thank God. It would be the most boring section you've ever been to. So, I mean, I want the, I want the Southern Baptist section or I want the Pentecostal section or something. You know, we're, anyway, I'm kidding, really. But, but the idea is there's no section like that and so what we do is I say membership doesn't score us anything in heaven. But look what it has allowed us to do. 
the things you see and the work that is done here in this place and the way we impact this community, if we did not have members, this would not be here. Because members band together like a body, like a family, so that they might accomplish God's purposes. So the question we're really posing here on this Trinity Sunday is, what does God want us to learn from the Trinity? It's not that he wants to explain it all to us. He wants to say, this is what I want you to learn from my perfect unity. This is what I want you to learn. This kind of unity can exhibit itself in ceasing to measure one another and comparing ourselves to one another within the body and outside of the body, those pagans, knock it off, right? We don't pretend that we're all the same. We don't pretend that we all agree. But who did Jesus Christ not die for? You found one yet? Of equal value, absolutely everyone. That's what Paul is saying here. Every part in the body is of equal value because they work together. As soon as the foot separates itself from the body, it's worthless. But attached to the body, what a blessing and what a joy. So this first one, measuring is a problem. Jesus, I ain't measuring in the body, but rather we are less apart and we are more together. That's why we do, that's why you do that. Okay, second thing. We don't have video, right? Okay, let me explain this one. Because this one we got, Hannah clued me into this. And actually, this was a classmate of um, my daughter, uh, Sarah, and then uh, Stephanie uh, Kobam and Ben at Seward, Concordia Seward. Pastor Travis, um, and in fact, not of our youth who went to the National Youth Gathering, heard him speak. He was, uh, talked about suicide, depression. In fact, Ryan said he was really probably the best speaker they heard. Young man, young pastor. And uh, he serves in La Mesa, California as an assistant pastor. And um, got a call. City Hall's on fire. Protesters, it was after dark, rioting, protesting. They're tearing into the Vaughn store. They're tearing into the plate against sports. There's fires going on. He immediately hung up, went, waded right into it. And they have the video of him from Channel 8 News down there in San Diego is him kneeling and praying as people are streaming by him with baseball bats and skateboards and looting and running out with stuff. And he is on his knees praying. Well, this captures the attention this captures the attention of the news media. So they kind of come up to him. And of course, anybody dressed like this, they always call you father. Right? So always called father, which is an honor, if you ask me. But so they say, Father, what parish are you from? And he said, well, I'm from Trinity Lutheran Church here in La Mesa. Why are you here? And he said, I got a call. I had to come. This is my community. And it's interesting. He was a police chaplain through the whole Ferguson things. He was serving a church in Ferguson, Missouri. And so he said, I've been through this. And he says, what it is, is we have lost our love for each other. We have lost our love for each other. What I loved about what he said on this whole thing was, he said, our role in the church is to constantly point people to Christ. And he says, I'm afraid we have in the church failed there too. Our call is to constantly point people to Christ. People of God, that's going to be our commitment to you. We would love to hear and listen. We would love to be available but we will always point to Christ for our own grace and forgiveness that we need, but that all would look to Christ. Second point is this, we're in this together, like it or not. That's one of the messages of the body, isn't it? 
The body can't say, the, you know, the liver can't say, hey, I'm taking a hike, see ya. We're in this together whether you like it or not. And yet, and, and this happens in this country a lot. This is why there's essentially a divorce by request, um, you know, divorce on demand, abortion on demand, whatever it is, pick the thing because I don't want to play. I just don't want to play. I'm going to take my ball. I'm going to go home. And, you know, when we, as long as you know there's a back door and I can just do whatever I want, you'll never be a body. And so this one that Paul is saying is we're in it together whether we like it or not. And that, because some people are like, a pox on your household. That helps. And so as the family, what Paul is saying is as a body, we're in it together whether we like it or not. And here's the thing. We have singularly proven that we are unable to do this. And so it calls for us to seek God first. Seek my kingdom and my righteousness. And the other things get added in. But first things first. It's a call to seek God and his leadership. A call to say, what would Jesus be calling us to do in this moment? You know, it's interesting. I... uh, I, at, at family reunions, you know, you play games, weird games. And over the years, I remember being a little kid, I had a couple of cousins. Um, and as they got older and older, one of the big things in our family reunion was three-legged race. And the three-legged race can make you look very foolish. Especially makes you look really foolish if you decide, I'm in charge of this thing. Right? And you don't consult with the person who's tied to you. But pretty amazing things could happen. I had two cousins that I kid you not, and they were probably in their mid-late teens, and they got it so figured out, they could run. I mean, they just ran They're, as if they were not even tied together. It was bizarre. But they worked at it because they discovered, they said, you know, if we're going to win this thing, we got to kind of admit that we're in this together whether we like it or not. And so we better figure this thing out. Because the irony was, when we did it, we always pulled names out of a hat. It wasn't like they planned this. They had to figure it out. And so we're in this together whether we like it or not. The foot can't say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. Just because you say it doesn't make it so. The hand is still part of the body. Last thing, last thing. So my grandson, baby Luke, this is fun. He was here at 830. I got to talk about my grandson for just a minute. He is now six months old. Yesterday... And he said, and now he is doing this. This is what he's doing. Especially, oh, that may be dizzy. Especially when he's happy. He is not saying no. But it's coming. All right? He's now in a developmental stage where he is strengthening his neck. And so he's learning to do this. And so it's fun. Because we will pose questions to him. Hey, would you like a beer? You know, that kind of thing. Oh, good, I can have it then, right? I mean, it's that kind of thing. Um, So, but we know the day is coming when he's going to say it all on his own. And it's one of the first vocabulary words that we learn, isn't it? One of the first things we learn. But it's a key developmental stage because one of the next ones that comes is, is that then when he learns to say no, he learns especially to say no to sharing. Sharing is something, it takes a while for a kid to learn, don't they? I'd like you to share, but when it clicks in, you know what clicks in for a kid? Because they say no to sharing because they're afraid they might not have it. They will lose something. When they learn that if you share, the parent will give you more. 
They will give you more. Now they, something clicks in for them for sharing. And so the last point I wanted to say on this, lessons for us to learn in unity from the body. We don't measure. We're in it together. But sharing is the mark of unity. I love this. Its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. This is the last thing I wanted to share with you. Shared hurts are less. Shared victories are more. That's why God wants us to be the body. Because the hurts are there. Are there real hurts driving the violence we're seeing? There are. Is there real history there? Are there perceived and real injustices? Absolutely. Is there violence? Is there loss? Is there fear? People have lost incomes, jobs, livelihoods, businesses. People are impacted in whole bunches of ways. Those are real hurts. Shared hurts are less. But shared victories are greater. And that's what I want to offer, a victory in Christ. A victory that shows grace and forgiveness. A victory that makes us new people. Because that's what Christ has already given to us. In Blake and Will's baptism, in the forgiveness of sins, to the glory of the Father. Amen. If you have any questions or comments about this sermon, email them to podcast at gracepocatello.org. And make sure to subscribe to our channel to stay up to date on sermons and classes at Grace Lutheran Church in Pocatello, Idaho. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go.